God is, God is good, isn't he? Thanks, Phyllis. If you'll take your Bibles, uh, turn with us to Matthew chapter 5. If you won't move up, I'll move back. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, we started last week our series of teachings on the Beatitudes, and uh, we want to look at the second one. Uh, the first one we talked about was uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, and of course that uh, phrase means simply uh, having the ability to say, I need help. And the great key to opening the door into the kingdom of God is for every one of us to realize without God, we can't do anything. Our dependency upon Christ is a cornerstone to the Christian faith. Jesus said, uh, even himself, that without his Father helping him, he could do nothing. And unless the Father blessed him and uh, the Holy Spirit empowered him, he could perform nothing or, or accomplish anything. It's the same way with us. So the poor in spirit attitude that says, I am able to uh, say I need help, is, is uh, the very first attitude that we need to lay hold of in the kingdom. Now tonight, if we could uh, look there again, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, and seeing the multitudes, this verse 1, he went up into a mountain talking about Jesus, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And tonight I want us to look at verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You will remember that the word blessed that is used in each one of these beatitudes uh, is the Greek word makarios, and makarios uh, simply means happy on the inside, and it talks about internal uh, peace. It uh, has nothing at all to do with external circumstances. It has everything to do with what's going on inside of us. And Jesus said, in order for you to be happy on the inside, these are the things that you need to develop as far as spiritual attitudes. The first one, being able to uh, declare your dependency upon God. I need help, poor in spirit. And then tonight, happy on the inside are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. That really is paradoxical, isn't it? To see that uh, the way to happiness is through mourning. But that is literally what uh, the scripture is teaching us. Now it doesn't mean for us to go around being sad all the time, but uh, we're going to look into that this, this evening. Blessed are those who mourn. I think most of us have noticed in our culture how it embraces entertainment and that that is even uh, came into the church. And the pursuit of pleasure at uh, almost any cost. There is a uh, psychological term, uh, it's hedonism. 
H-E-D-O-N-I-S-M, not heathenism. That's what my mother thought I was when I was growing up. She called me a little heathen. Uh, hedonism, H-E-D-O-N-I-S-M. And hedonism is the uh, principle of minimizing pain and maximizing pleasure. And that is really the uh, bell cow of the culture of America and of most of the developed world that we live in today. People will pursue pleasure almost at any cost. But most of life today, for many people, is about avoiding sorrow and pain. And there is none of us that to enjoy hurting or being sad or emotionally uh, troubled. Even when we get bad news, some people will try to avoid it and will not admit it, or they'll cover it up with uh, some kind of pseudo-humor or uh, something that would lighten the mood. The mantra of our day is, blessed are those who laugh their way through life. Now, I am a huge uh, proponent of laughter. Uh, I think at right times, it is uh, something that is good for our soul. Matter of fact, the Word of God says it doeth good like a medicine. But we can't always be laughing, can we? And life sometimes is filled with moments when our eyes are filled with tears and our hearts are just overwhelmed with sorrow or sadness. Solomon uh, says this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 13. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and joy may end in grief. There's a poem that uh, speaks volumes to the truth of that passage of Scripture. Listen, listen to it tonight. I found it uh, a blessing today. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and not a word said she, but oh, the things I learned when sorrow walked with me. Jesus said it this way, and it is our theme verse for tonight. Happy on the inside are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This paradoxical paradoxical statement literally is happy are those who at times are unhappy. I think some of us could coin a phrase tonight by simply saying there's gladness sometimes in sadness. John Stott, a preacher of another day, said it is one thing to be spiritually poor and acknowledge it. It is another to grieve and mourn over it. Confession is one thing. Contrition or repentance is another. As much as the thought of being poor in spirit is diametrically opposed to the wisdom of our day, because our day teaches this concept of bolstering our, our uh, self-dependence, uh, it, we, we talk a whole lot about self-esteem and everybody to a point needs self-esteem. 
and uh, we talk about our accomplishments and how we ought to enhance our abilities and our talents, and I suppose there's nothing wrong with trying to better ourselves. But if we're going to be truly biblical and scriptural, we must come to the place where we embrace the concept of being dependent upon God. Uh, Christ's sufficiency is a demand for those who would follow Christ. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm simply telling you this. You can't depend upon yourself and lean on the arm of the flesh if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. We always have to come to the place where we empty ourselves of self and we enthrone Christ in our life. Matter of fact, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, our sufficiency is in him. Our sufficiency is in Christ. This is the idea of emptying ourselves of, 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 of who we are and embracing uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything the world offers is designed somehow to promote uh, happiness, uh, our pleasure. Yet the Lord says, blessed are those who are privileged recipients of God's divine favor. Uh, the favor of being comforted in the midst of our mourning. Uh, I've often heard people say, I don't know how folks make it without being a Christian. I don't know how people make it without being uh, a child of God. I don't know how people make it without the Lord. Well, that's exactly what that statement is, is really saying. You see, when, when people in this world uh, without Christ suffer emotional trauma and tragedy, they have nobody to comfort them. That is exactly the point that Jesus is making, is that blessed, happy on the inside are those who mourn and understand that it is then that God's presence comes and comforts them. We have the resource of the Holy Spirit in our life. Amen? We have the help of the Holy Spirit in our life. But the world doesn't have that. All they have are the impotent words of flesh. And it's, it's, it's all right for us to try to comfort one another. It's, it's all right for us to speak things to one another, to try to say what we can. But uh, our best efforts fall so, so short in those times of sorrow and sadness. And it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to overcome our sorrow and enjoy the comfort and the help and the peace that eventually comes from the ministry of the Spirit of God in our life. There are many ways that uh, the grief that we experience in life grips our souls. Number one, mourning losses. There are people in this room who have suffered great loss. Probably all of us in this room have uh, experienced the pain of some kind of loss. As we get older, we experience the loss of our health or the deterioration of our health. 
and we worry about the future. We experience the loss of a relationship. Sometimes divorce happens. Our hearts are just pained because of it. Separated from people that we love. We've lost a, a dear loved one. We cry ourselves to sleep at night and tears stain our pillow. Psalm 6-6 records the words of King David who experienced sorrow in his life. Listen to what he says. I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. Psalm 56, 8 tells us that it's all right to weep and to cry. Mourning is okay. Do you remember when Jesus uh, stood at the tomb of Lazarus? Uh, the Bible tells us that he was a dear friend to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, that family there in Bethany on the east side of Jerusalem. And when he walked up to the tomb of Lazarus, the Bible says he wept. The shortest scripture in the New Testament, John eleven thirty five. 35. But it says so much, Jesus wept. It tells us about his humanity. It tells us about his emotions. But it also, it tells us that he understands when you and I suffer loss in our life, how it feels. He knows how we feel. He knows what it is as a human being to experience the loss of loved ones and of things that you treasure. Jesus cares for us and he comforts us in times of mourning and grief. The reason is because he understands and he knows what we're going through. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, I think I quoted it over this past weekend, seeing then that we have such a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has passed into the heavens. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest who has not been touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted like as we are in all points, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That passage of Scripture is telling us that Jesus is touched by the things that we're touched by. And that because he knows what we are feeling, he is able to represent us before the throne of God in an appropriate way. So we bring all of our cares and our sorrows and our burdens to the throne of God. And we experience the supernatural grace of God that only he can give us. Isaiah 53 verses 3 and 4 talk about Christ as he was rejected and uh, despised, a man of sorrows, somebody who experienced the, the tremendous grief of the cross and that scourging that the Romans and the, the soldiers of Herod uh, poured out upon him, such degradation, all of that. Uh, the Bible says he opened not his mouth, uh, was dumb like a uh, a sheep is led before its shearers. He cares about us and he comforts us in our time 
of losses. He mourns our sinfulness. Romans 7.24 says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? The Apostle Paul said that knowing the grief that is human beings over their sinful condition. Over 250 years ago, a missionary named David Brainerd, who reached out to the American Indians, was a powerful, powerful witness for Christ. He wrote this, In my morning devotions, my soul was exceedingly melted, and I bitterly mourned over my exceeding sinfulness and vileness. In the Apostle James' letter, he said, Let there be tears for what you have done, let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. James 4 verse 9. In Jesus' parable of the prodigal son, the youngest son felt sorrow over his failures and sin and where it had brought him to in his life, the hog pen. And it says that while he was there feeding the swine and living in that unwholesome situation and environment, he came to himself. And that's what conviction of sin, and that's what sorrow for sin should do. It should drive us to the place where we cry out to God for his mercy and for his grace. And the prodigal son, of course, made his way back to the father's house. It is our need to mourn over our sinful condition and make it right with God the Father that is so very, very important in each of our lives. Number three, we not only mourn our losses, our sinfulness, but we mourn the condition of others. Uh, there is a place for us to feel for humanity and for our world and for the condition, the spiritual state that the church is presently in. The Apostle Paul demonstrated this for us and what he said to the elders at Ephesus. Listen to him in Acts chapter 20, verse 31. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul says, I warned you about this, the terrible state of sin that many people were in. He says, I did it with tears. I did it with tears. I mourned over your spiritual condition. John Knox, the great reformer, constantly carried the burden of the lost of Scotland. Night after night he prayed. When his wife pleaded with him to get some sleep, this is what he said. How can I sleep when my land is not saved? And he prayed, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. It is important for us to get under a burden for those that we love and for the place where we live, and for the people who are without Christ in our community. When two Salvation Army officers felt helpless and that nothing was working to reach and to save the poor, William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, gave them this advice, try tears. When they did, a tremendous revival broke out. When nothing else works, try tears. You know, I'm convinced that 
that what the church needs to do is, is not invent another program of evangelism. God has given us the key. He tells us that if we will simply humble ourselves and pray, turn from our wicked ways and seek His face. He will hear from heaven, will forgive our sins and heal our land. Revival comes not because an evangelist visits our church. Revival does not come because we decide to turn over a new leaf or change our minds about situations. Revival comes when we spiritually position ourselves through repentance and prayer. Humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then He will lift us up. Real quickly, in the closing moments here, uh, how can we experience the comfort of God? There's some really uh, simple things that we can realize tonight. Number one, we can realize God's with us. Seven times the Bible says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Have you noticed that? That's one for every day of the week. So that means all seven days of the week, God is with us. You have a promise every day when you wake up in the morning. God is with you. 365 times the phrase, peace be unto you, peace be still, be not afraid. 365 times. Those kinds of phrases are given to us. I think it's obvious. God has given us a promise that we don't have to be afraid. Not one day out of the calendar year do we have to be afraid. We have the promise of God. Let us be comforted that God is with us. God is with us. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. When we realize that God is with us, we understand that God is aware about our problems. Job 13 verse 27 says, "You keep close watch on all my paths, my putting by putting marks on the soles of my feet." Boy, isn't that powerful? You keep close watch on all my paths by putting marks on the soles of my feet. In other words, Job was saying, God, you know everywhere I go. Secondly, God cares. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Chapter 1 verse 7. And then thirdly, God helps. God's aware, God cares, and God helps. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The word obtain there, obtain mercy. Everybody say obtain mercy. I may not get any further than this right here, but I think it's worth our spending some time on it. That you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The word obtain, uh, it, 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 it's a word picture. And it was a term... Uh, that uh, it, it, what it pictures is a, a, uh, a trough, a feeding trough. And the trough is built low enough to the ground that the sheep can get to it. Sheep are defenseless and uh, 
very helpless animals. And, and, and they, don't, they don't push the envelope at all. They're not rebellious. That's why Jesus differentiates between a goat and a sheep. Because goats are rambunctious. Goats are climbers. They'll, they'll get into a lot of stuff. Uh, have you ever met a goat? No, I don't want you to answer that. No. But Jesus differentiated between goats and sheep because their natures are different. And this word obtain refers to really humble little sheep and the shepherd building the trough low enough so that the sheep could get into it, so they could get to it. So that when the fe feed or the food was put into the trough, then they could, they could, they could have it. And that's literally the word picture that's used by the word obtain. That God has by His grace so condescended and so lowered uh, his, 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 not His standard. What He's talking about is he, He's brought to us the grace of God and He's brought it so low that not any of us can, can, can miss it. That it's available to everyone. Hallelujah. I can obtain mercy. Everybody say, God can give me mercy. It's not that He's holding it up here and saying, reach it if you can. He's saying, here it is. I brought it down low. You can have it if you need it. Come on. That's what God's saying to us. And we should be comforted by the fact that God cares that much about us. We realize God's with us. The second thing is we release the hurt. We need to let the hurt go. Have you ever stumped your toe at night getting up to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water? Have you ever stumped your toe on the corner of the bed? And I just, I just fall on the ground and cry. I just, it hurts so bad. And, 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 and you rub it a little bit and you think you're over it and, and then it just aches again. Finally, it quits hurting. And you can breathe again. <laughs> well, that's kind of the way it is with this releasing the hurt concept. Is that God is with us to comfort us, rubbing the hurt, ministering to the pain, until finally the pain is released. The pain is gone. God says it's okay to let go of your past and that's because He's with us. And the only way the past can hurt us is if we let it. Think about it. The only way the past can hurt us is if we let it. There's several things we can do with our past. We can repress it. We can rehearse it. We can resent it. We can release it. And I suggest to you, let's release it. And then the third thing that we can do is rely on God's resources. It's amazing at what people do to get a little comfort from the stress and hurts of life. They take pills, they get drunk, they try affairs, they escape into entertainment, all kinds of recreation. Here's what Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. If you want peace, if you want comfort, if you want to be released from your pain, let Jesus Christ be Lord of your life. I pray tonight that we would find the comfort of the Holy Spirit in the midst of our morning. Let's pray. 
Lord, blessed are the, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. God, it's just real simple. The world doesn't have that resource. But we have this attitude. We develop this attitude. Lord, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, when we have emotional trauma, we have the resource of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus Christ in our life. Nobody else has that but the child of God. And I thank you, Lord, for helping us to release our pain and to be healed from the inside out. Lord, I just pray tonight for your precious people. Help us in our mourning. I thank you that you desire to heal us and give us joy in place of our mourning and sorrow.